Hi, I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I am a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom ring. Welcome. My name is Ashley Smith Thomas, and I am the host of Freedom Talks. The purpose of this show is to educate Americans on key freedom and national security issues that impact our nation. Back in 2016, I was the project manager over a $14.7 million project to rescue persecuted Christians and resettle them in host countries. These Christians were persecuted by ISIS in Iraq and Syria. When I met with these families abroad, I asked them, what is the one thing that they desired? What is it that they wanted? And they mentioned that they wanted to come to America. They wanted to come to America because they believed in the freedom that exudes in our nation, let alone they wanted the freedom to practice their faith without the fear of retribution. They believed that they could achieve the American dream because America is the land of opportunity. Right now in our nation, it appears that the American dream is under attack. As we see Marxist movements sweep across our nation to disrupt the very fabric of the traditions and values that our nation holds so dear. We see that the federal government wants to federalize the election, which strips states the right to enforce their own election integrity reform. It's not good when the federal government wants to federalize our election process. We see an open border right now where mass immigration is occurring, particularly right here in Texas, where immigrants are flooding across unchecked and unvetted. We also see a curriculum that is being placed in our schools that is teaching children that those who are white are inherently racist and the oppressors. And if you are a child of color, you are a victim and you are oppressed and society is against you. This is a dangerous teaching as it is derived from Karl Marx. So what is really going on here in America? Are we seeing communism seeping and sweeping through this nation? Today, I have a very special guest with me. You may have seen her on the national news as she used her voice and spoke up against a school board or in a school board meeting there in her county in Virginia. She also spoke at CPAC recently. Her name is Shi Van Fleet. Shi Van Fleet grew up in China. She spent her entire school years in the great proletarian cultural revolution. After completing high school, she was forced by the CCP to go to the countryside to work in the fields for three years. She came to America in 1986 as a student to pursue graduate studies. She's been working in the field of information management for the past 30 years. As a private citizen, she was never involved in politics before. 
Compelled by her personal experience during the Chinese Cultural Revolution and the realization that what she experienced is taking place right here in America, she has committed herself to warn the American people and help them clearly see what is happening now in America. She, welcome and thank you for coming on Freedom Talks. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, my pleasure. So I saw the video where you stood up there in the school board meeting and used your voice and called out the critical race theory, which I know gained national attention. Uh, can you share with us why did you speak up? Why did you decide to use your voice in that moment? Well, this has been a long time. It's been especially the past few years that I noticed that um, as a parent, and also as a American, uh, Chinese-American, Chinese I've seen um, our children being indoctrinated in school. And um, as Chinese-Americans, we came to this country, we really love this country, we love the freedom, we do our best for our children, we put them to the best schools and send them to the best universities. And too many of us experience this, that they come back uh, from school and then they start to lecture us that this country is a racist country and this country is unjust and that uh, we really don't understand it. We don't understand what a real oppression is and that we have privilege because we are successful. And this is really uh, what school uh, is doing is to turn them against um, us, against the parents, against our values, and against our country. And uh, so finally, I feel like I need to do something. And uh, so I decided to, uh, to get involved. So I joined the local um, uh, Republican committee and later joined uh, this uh, Loudoun County Women's Club, Republican Women's Club. And that is a very, very active club. And they have emails and sent to us and, uh, and about events. And one of them is uh, a school board meeting and encourage us to go there. And that's what I did. Well, that is fantastic. And I think it is so important that people realize what is being taught inside the critical race theory curriculum. I mean, we see that here in Texas where critical race theory is being pushed. We've seen some uh, communities such as South Lake, Texas, parents rose up and finally said enough. We're not having it here. We see uh, family members in Frisco, Texas that are trying to stand up against that as well. Uh, why do you think that critical race theory is making its way into the education system? That is the easiest way to indoctrinate kids. And uh, this is familiar to me because um, growing up in China, we were taught that there are two groups of people. And there is uh, oppressors and oppressed. And so the oppressors were the bad guys. They are the villains and the oppressed were the, uh, um, the victims and, uh, the, uh, and the Communist Party, they stand for the, uh, the interest of the oppressed. So what, uh, what we're told is that we should, um, uh, we should just fight against those uh, oppressors. 
So they put people in category at first, it was class. Later on, they expanded that uh, category into anyone who stepped out of the line. And so the name is uh, um, from landowning uh, oppressor to counter-revolutionary, to whitest, to traders. The last one they added to the category is intellectuals. So basically it is anyone, it can be anyone, which is remind me of, uh, um, uh, not remind me, which is what we experience here, um, the uh, uh, CRT. CRT divided people into groups and set them against each other. And then just like you said, um, if you're born white, you are inherently a racist. And so if uh, you're born color, uh, uh, people of color, then you have no hope because uh, there's no chance for you to succeed. And then the doctrine indoctrinate our kids with this CRT to hate this country, mm -hmm. to hate the history. And uh, so that is the same thing that I see that uh, the, uh, uh, in the Cultural Revolution, what happened in the Cultural Revolution and what happened here. It's different, only that they use different uh, things to divide people. One use class, another use um, race. And they can't find any other thing. They can find um, religion, they can find gender, anything, if they want to divide people. And that's what they want to do, to divide people. Can you explain to us the uh, difference and if there is a difference between what we're seeing with CRT and communism? Do you see communism tied into the critical race theory that's being taught in schools? Yeah, the CRT, a lot of people are still talking about what it is and, you know, legal theory or whatever. That's not very helpful because what we need to see is what it does. Mm -hmm does to is to divide people and uh, those people that who challenge the uh, um, their narrative they want to silence them and that is the key silence those who um, do not agree who question or who challenge them by labeling them racist and that's what uh, happened during the cultural revolution everyone is afraid everyone is over um, 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 they, they just want to be on the safe zone by not saying anything wrong, by just be careful. And that's even not enough. There are people that said things in private, like uh, um, parents say something, the kids would, some of the kids would report them. And uh, that is one of the worst things happened during the Cultural Revolution, that totally destroyed the trust among people and that still have its impact today. And that's what I see happening in America. That is just absolutely frightening to me to see little, little kids go on uh, social media to denounce their parents and call their parents racist. And the kids call each other racist and report them. And there's that girl that uh, uh, said something that years ago, and then someone reported, and now she had um, she could not be admitted to the college she wanted to go to. And this is not just a kind of like a cultural revolution. This is cultural revolution. 
I'm glad you said that because it's interesting to see what is going on right now here in America from this critical race theory that's being pushed into schools, from what is happening in Washington, D.C. now with our leadership, both in uh, the White House and the uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, we see what's going on in terms of this cancel culture because I did some research on this cancel culture movement. And in this research, I found that the predominant generation that is very much pushing this cancel culture movement is Generation Z. And it's because they have such mass influence and in their social media presence that in this uh, study that was conducted, they found out that Generation Z literally had more influence and power over their parents. And that was shocking to me because I was surprised to see that children now have power over their parents. That should not be so. So in that, and we're starting to see a lot of these dynamics shifting. Um, I know that there's a quote from Vladimir Lenin when he said, give me one generation and I'll transform the whole world. Do you see what's going on in America from the critical race theory, the cancel culture, the suppression of our First Amendment, right? Because, I mean, we see the censorship of speech. We're now being told what we can think and what we can't uh, what, what we can think, what we can't think, uh, what we can say, and what we can't say. Do you see that as communism now sweeping America? Okay, let me tell you how Mao launched the Cultural Revolution. And that is a, a revolution that he wanted to basically remove his political enemy within his own party. So what he wanted to do is to establish his absolute power. How he launched it? It's the kids. That's the indoctrinated youth from universities and from secondary schools, even the elementary schools. I was a first grader when that started. And I saw in my own eye that um, the violence, the violence against teachers, against each other. And that is why they want to uh, push. They're already, already in total control of uh, the universities and with all those Marxist, uh, radical Marxist professors. Um, they have trained uh, the uh, students now are teaching our public schools, but they want to push more. They want to push it to our secondary schools, public schools because they want to have control of this youth, just like what Mao did. Mao was uh, able to uh, unleash all those uh, kids. So carry his order, they went, uh, they went around and create total chaos because Mao was backing them, openly backing them. So they destroyed the social orders, they destroyed um, the uh, uh, police, as long, uh, law enforcement and the court systems. And they also uh, uh, took mouse water to destroy what we call the four old things, old idea, old tradition, old habit, and old custom. And that is basically the Chinese traditional culture and civilization. So they destroyed, they tore down the, uh, the Buddha uh, statues, destroyed temples, destroyed anything that's pre-communism. They raided homes, they destroyed, um, they took out anything that is old and uh, furniture, or vases, books, smashed them, burned them. And uh, um, we were asked 
to go through your household and hand it over anything that's old. And we really did not have anything old. I remember my mother handed over a bottle of perfume because that is bourgeois. And that is how crazy the cancer culture went. Here is the same thing. When you think about it, they don't just cancel this person, that person, whatever. What they really want to cancel is the foundation of this country. And that is the Western civilization, the Christianity and our American funding. And for what? And, and that's also people say, why are they doing this? Power. That's something we did not understand. We were swept away into this uh, um, um, craziness in the cultural revolution. And we just, um, and in a, um, really a lot of people, it's just a matter of survival, just do not want to be canceled, do not want to be um, jailed. So only after all this is settled down, and after I came here with uh, free information, did I really realize all that destruction of a country was for one thing, power for Mao. That's it. One person's desire for absolute power. And uh, so uh, uh, who are the victims? The whole country, mm-hmm. the whole country, 20 some million people died, including the number two of the Chinese Communist Party, President Liu Shaoqi. He was the highest ranking victim of that crazy, crazy cultural revolution. And that's what I want to really tell people here. Those, um, those school board members and those college professors, they think now they're on the right side and, and then they want their students to cancel this one, cancel um, conservative professors or cancel uh, parents that are challenging the uh, CRT. If they are successful or if we let them be successful, they will be canceled. They will be canceled by those social uh, justice warriors they have been trained so hard to train. They will be canceled just like Cultural Revolution. By then, it's not that whether they are woke. Then the question is how woke they are. No, that's good. And you did such a great job just explaining about the uh, cultural revolution and the similarities to what we're seeing here in our nation. And it's really interesting how we are seeing the youth that is being utilized to push forth this revolution here in the United States. And we see that there's, uh, when you look at the BLM movements and you look at Antifa and you see it's it's the millennials, it's this younger generation that's, that's yes. in the streets. So why yeah. do you think that communism sounds so appealing to the younger generation? Um, yesterday, I was, last night I was thinking, what's the best way? I, I don't know whether this is the best way to uh, to describe it, but th- that's my attempt. So when uh, when people are trained through their lens of CRT, um, they they're really looking for injustice, and they're looking for things, and then just like uh, they're looking at the glass and uh, complain, the glass is not full. So in order to Correct the fact that the glass is not all full. 
they blame the glass and they destroy the glass mm. and then you get total ruin. That's what uh, I think, uh, that's exactly what happened at the end of the Cultural Revolution. The whole country was destroyed. It's at, the country is at me, it's, it's me. People, um, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, 20 some died and uh, the, the culture was just wiped out. And so that's what uh, the Marxism is so attractive to young people because they think they, they saw injustice and they want to correct it. And then Marxism said, no, you're not, you don't just correct, you don't just uh, deal with an individual who is a, who, who is a racist. No, you destroy the whole society. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. That is what uh, the attraction of Marxism. Which is interesting because Karl Marx, I mean, here he was, yeah. you know, when you look at the people and you see what they're doing, I think what's interesting is that this youth, they are touting that they want freedom. They're touting that we need to have equality and that we need to have equity. But in that, they're sacrificing, the more they keep pushing that message, they're going to be sacrificing their own freedoms. And then when yes. it's too late, then they're going to realize what just happened. Wait a minute, this is wrong. And now no longer am I allowed to say what I want to say. And it's too late. It's too late. Yeah, uh, yeah I want to give you an example of uh, the, uh, the students, the uh, aggressive youth um, in, uh, in the 1940s. A lot of them, including my parents, joined the communists because they believe they're going to build a just uh, society. They blame that uh, there was not enough freedom in the press. And there, there were things like assassination of a descendant. That did happen. That's true. But what they are getting, what they got is no freedom of speech. Zero. Before they were complaining, not enough, right? Mm -hmm. Now they, what they got is no freedom of speech. Before they complained, there was assassination of descendant. Now it's an open execution. Mm. So the history of the communism is not taught. That's why people do not understand what happened when communism was implemented. They're still talking about this, uh, you know, I, I, I listened to some uh, the YouTuber talking about common, common interest. No, no, it's power. Yeah. When they, those use communism to take power, it's, they call it proletarian dictatorship. It's not the proletarian dictatorship. It is dictatorship. Sure. So no one can talk. No one has any freedom. And they do not understand. And that's the danger. I think that's why I'm so passionate now to use my own experience to educate people, to warn people what communism and cultural Marxism is really about. You mentioned when we spoke, and I just found this to be so profound. Um, you said, it sounds so good that they think they're fighting for something greater. That's why communism appears as an angel, but the delivery is hell. I found that yeah. to be so profound. Can you expound and explain that even more for the audience? Um, I can use my father as an example. He was from a landed family. So in a way he was privileged, 
Yeah, and, and but he was so bought into the um, the idea that he wanted to fight for a new China where there's no more exploitations of uh, there's no more classes and everyone was equal and there's we were no longer being ruled by the imperialist uh, lists. That was really a wonderful, wonderful picture. And, uh, and a lot of people absolutely uh, believed it. And uh, that's the things that you have to know, step uh, act two, that's act one, that people just uh, join the revolution thinking, believing wholeheartedly they're doing something great, greater than themselves. They're doing something for the humanity. What happened is uh, they are the first one to go because mm -hmm. they are the intellectuals. They are the ones that the Communist China, uh, Chinese Communist Party or China or Communist Party would not trust. They do not want intellectuals. They want blind followers. So they become the first victim. That's fascinating. And it's just blowing my mind how much just with you sharing about the Cultural Revolution in China and how similar we're seeing this here in the United States today. I've got two more questions for you uh, real quick. Why do you think that we're starting to see pastors and churches preach Marxism from the pulpit? Because there's this thing that's going around where I've heard social religion, especially this came after the death of George Floyd and the BLM movement. And you started seeing these pastors saying, okay, Black Lives Matter. They're going to start marching in the street with BLM. But sometimes I wonder, do they really know what they're aligning with? Because the women who founded BLM said that they are trained Marxists. Yeah. Those are their words. And you mm -hmm. see them, they went to Cuba, they went to, to China. They've got these ties to known communist leaders. So why do you think we're starting to see this now seep into churches? You would think that that would be the last place, but we're seeing it right now. Yeah, I, just today I was watching a YouTube with like a 900,000 views about socialism. And as and I said, the Buddhist, Buddhism is socialism. Christianity is socialism because they preach, uh, treat people equally. That's not socialism. Treat people equally is not socialism. That is, uh, uh, that is compassion uh, of uh, um, any, I would say any civilization would say, you know, they preach compassion. Um, but what socialism does is actually it's equity. And that's what everyone is saying, equity is in order to achieve equity is different from equality. To treat people equally is different from the uh, government enforce equity of equal outcome. And so I just think that people just do not understand. Again, I'm saying it's, a, it's um, people need to be educated. Mm -hmm. Marxism and communism succeeded in so many countries because they are um, um, they had appeals. In China, they are, uh, they are Mao um, promised free land to the peasants in a country that is overwhelmingly agriculture. Free land, free, equal, all those words sound so wonderful. How to achieve it? The only way to achieve it is by force. So the Communist Party, uh, Chinese Communist Party killed about uh, one million landowners confiscate their land and distribute it to the peasants. 
Before long, they were all taken back by collective farming. So the promise, that is the problem. So many people cannot go beyond that and see how that can be implemented. The only way to implement their so-called promise is by force. Well, and we're starting to see that and hear that language today in America in terms of equity that people need the property. You didn't deserve that. You didn't earn that. You don't own that. And so we're starting to hear that now, and particularly in the, the infrastructure bill that they're trying to pass, you know, on Capitol Hill. And so you just hear these words. And, and the new thing that I never heard before was called human infrastructure. So again, it's all tied into what you're saying. Um, my last question for you is that at the end of every show, I like to ask our guest that comes on to share uh, what they would call a call to action so that our viewers can go out and take action and protect freedom. So do you have any tips or a call to action for our viewers today? To me, is the first step is to understand what we're dealing with. What are we dealing with? The woke revolution that's sweeping the, uh, the nation is the repeat of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, and it is communism. So the, what we are dealing with is communism. I think to understand that is the first step and call it as it is, it is really is, and give it a proper name. And then I think we are, um, and, and that gave us a very good um, um, uh, place to be to start to fight against it. You have to know what you're fighting against before you can win the fight. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Shi, for being on Freedom Talks today. We appreciate you and thank you so much for using your voice to push back against this uh, movement that we're seeing in America, but also motivating and educating Americans to wake up. So we appreciate you and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, as I close here, I know that the information that she had just wonderfully articulated to us should motivate us and encourage us to educate ourselves on these key issues, but more importantly, educate our family and our friends of this movement that is going on. We need to educate our children what communism is, but more importantly, we need to educate our children that why America is so great, why it's why it is an exceptional nation. People long to come to America. They caught they long to come here because America represents freedom. We are that hope, that city, that light on a hill, as President Ronald Reagan once said. In the Bible, in the book of Esther, there was an edict that was out to kill the Jews. Esther, she fasted and prayed. And Mordecai came to her and said, perhaps you are here for such a time as this. God used her to save her people. Perhaps you and I are here for such a time as this, to stand up, to speak up and take action and say, not on our watch. We are not going to accept communism in our nation. We know what our founding fathers did and how they built our country. And I know this, that God has not forgotten the covenant that he's made with our founding fathers. So let us not lose hope. Don't give in, don't give up because we will be victorious. Let's fight this, let's educate ourselves, let's take action because together we will stand for righteousness, speak truth and protect freedom. Take care and God bless.